0: Welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. Today's special guest served as the founding editor of Marijuana Business Daily during the company's launch in 2011, becoming the first journalist in the United States to focus exclusively on covering the business of cannabis. As CEO of MG Biz, he now guides the strategic vision of the company while educating mainstream industries about the marijuana and hemp sectors. He's also the host of the podcast Seed to CEO. Today's guest has also been quoted as one of America's foremost cannabis industry analysts by dozens of media outlets, including Harvard Business Review, CNBC, and the New York Times. And so without further ado, Chris Walsh, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. Excited to talk about cannabis.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Chris, I think, I mean, first off, congratulations and kudos on on all the work that you've put in and kind of everything that you're doing to make cannabis a mainstream conversation um a great place to start would be just you know take us way back to to day one of you entering the cannabis industry and kind of what what attracted you to this space and how did you get into it and what did that journey kind of look like evolving from day one to where you are today
1: yeah it's been a wild ride i uh, never thought i'd be doing this like most people in the industry uh you know when i was younger i was a journalism major in college and was really focused on you know reporting and editing in the media, um, and got into business journalism and was kind of working my way up at Metro newspapers. And I lived overseas in South Korea, working for a newspaper there and cannabis really wasn't on the radar. Not, not even personally, really, I didn't use it that much. I, I had experience with it, uh, in college and, and every now and then after, but, uh, it wasn't, wasn't my preferred, uh, preferred medicine of choice, I'll say. So, you know, I think it was just, like a lot of people, just realizing the opportunity here, uh, first and foremost for us, it was about a business opportunity, but it quickly became more about helping people over time or just as much about helping people. And so I was, I was in journalism and had lived in South Korea and moved back to Denver, my hometown. And in the span that I was gone from you know 2009 to 2011, a whole new industry had just randomly cropped up. And uh, not only in Colorado, but in some other states too, you know you had lots of dispensaries out there. you had people um, growing and, and making infused products and it really came out of nowhere. these the risk takers uh, after states had legalized. So there was this budding industry that was out there and it needed the type of things that uh, that matched with my background and expertise, which was information and content. Uh, so, Two two co-founders had the vision to start this this company, MJ Biz, uh, and they had background in banking and marketing and uh, trade publications for other industries. So they hired me to launch MJ Biz as the founding editor, and it was really about providing the industry with objective and solid news and analysis, specifically aimed at the business side. There were a lot of you know uh, consumer-focused publications out there, like High Times. Mm-hmm. and blogs and all of that, but no one was really taking this industry seriously and helping the people in it to grow their businesses, to figure out how to be successful, and to learn from each other. So that's really how it started. In 2011, we launched uh, what became MJ Biz Daily. There was a name change along the way, and uh, it was really with the vision of providing kind of business-to-business insights, advice, and it morphed more into news and analysis because the industry sorely needed it. And then we added data onto that uh, market data and then started a trade show and conferences. And uh, that's really how I got in. It was not not on my radar at all and uh, just kind of seized an opportunity. And also, like many people, I was looking for a career change. You know, many people have gotten into cannabis over the years where had tried something else and where it kind of ran its course. And that's where I was with mainstream journalism. So just everything aligned at the right time. And it wasn't easy, and it hasn't been easy. it still isn't easy uh but it's been it's been quite a journey
0: yeah no i I love that that's uh that's super fascinating and i like I kind of like the evolution of it and how you also pinpointed that a lot of folks when they do seek a career change uh very often they will go into into cannabis and so it's interesting how that's happened um one question i wanted to wanted to ask you Chris was how have you seen the media landscape evolve? Um, over the years when it comes to cannabis coverage and the narrative behind the plant as well as the industry uh, from more of like a mainstream
1: perspective? Yeah, having come from mainstream media, you know, I, I really saw how this evolved and I was one of the first people to get in who took it seriously and was doing it full time. When we started, um, you know, even in, in cities like LA and Seattle and Denver and Portland, Oregon, those newspapers and media outlets weren't even covering what was going on, or they would just do a story every now and then, or or the TV stations would do something. And it was, it was usually full of puns and like, look at this crazy, almost stupid thing. Like, look at these potheads. Uh, But, but, you know, what we saw was that it was a real legit business. And so the mainstream media took years to really catch on. And now it's, now it's, it's a lot different. And, you know, the wall street journal and the New York times and you're, Metro city newspapers cover the industry now seriously, but it took a while to get there. And I think that's really how it's changed. We used to be called uh, by outsiders, the Wall Street Journal of weed. Um, the Wall Street Journal approach is what we were trying to do. And it was, uh, you know, again, serious analytical business journalism to help primarily the people in the industry or those looking to get in. And there wasn't really anything like that out there when we started and now there's there's tons of magazines and websites and and outlets uh, podcasts everything you name it um, that's really how it's changed and no one really took it seriously and uh, I remember when I made the change and and told former colleagues and friends you know what I was doing I mean some people were like that's that's really cool man uh, and but others were just kind of like oh hmm. kind of what happened to his career uh, so you know thinking we're starting some weed publication from a basement or something. Um, and, and now, you know, now it's changed so much that as MJ Biz Daily grew, I hire people I used to work with at newspapers, um, really talented people. And so, you know, people, and that's just a reflection of where the industry's at in general. 10, 11, 12 years ago, you couldn't hire people from outside. And that included in the media and my experience with the mainstream. I did try to reach out in some of the early days. To some old people I worked with, and no one was interested. Um, now it's kind of the hot, hot industry. Uh, it's sexy. You know, it's it makes headlines all the time, and it's it's a growing industry when a lot of things are flatlining or declining. Um, so, we're, we're our, my experience and MJ business has really been a reflection of what the entire industry has experienced.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. I love that example and that story that you that you kind of shared right there, how everything's kind of come full circle, where at first people who will see you who saw you transition from one space to to cannabis kind of looked at you and you know, maybe just raised an eyebrow or said, Okay, you're gonna go smoke weed all day? Like, is this what this is all about now? Like wait a few years. I'm sure away. people thought that. <laughs> yeah. And it ha- it happens to so many. And then it's funny how, you know, it comes full circle where now you're hiring, you know, maybe some of those people or their colleagues or or you know, whoever it may have been. And and now people are kind of taking it a little bit more seriously. And I think it's because of a lot of the groundwork that, that you and your team have laid and kind of set the bar or set the standard um, for specifically for the industry behind the plants.
1: Well, and I appreciate that. And I think that also, whether it's people we've hired, or other people that have come into the industry, as I was alluding to before, I think it's you once you once you say I'm going to look at the cannabis industry at, with a blank slate and like, let, let me just see what this is all about and kind of get rid of your preconceived notions, it becomes very, very clear mm. that, uh, you know, that cannabis actually helps a lot of people. So even if you don't support recreational, uh, on my podcast, Seed to CEO, and in all my conversations in, in a dozen years, everyone has similar stories of, I had an epiphany. I started looking at it and was like, wow, there's a lot of people, especially on the medical side, that use this, uh, even if it's just to relax. But, you know, elderly people, uh, people with different medical conditions, uh, younger people with conditions. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. Once you actually talk to the people who benefit from it, you're like, how the heck is this still illegal federally? And why has there been so much resistance for for decades?
0: Yeah, and it's very interesting when you start to see the people who um, who have sticked to that negative stigma for so long, just kind of blindly because of, you know, what's kind of been pumped into us. And then they or A family member or a close friend has a positive experience with it in a therapeutic sense and all of a sudden their eyes just open up and then they start questioning things and then they start looking at the industry behind it and they see these numbers and you know they think to themselves okay wait a second this could be more legit than i thought
1: yeah you bring up a great point there's countless countless stories of people who were turned on because of a personal connection Either they were sick or, or a lot of times it was someone in their family, it was their parents or grandparents, nothing else was working. You know, maybe they were all anti-cannabis or just grew up in the war on drugs and and, uh, you know, didn't believe there was anything good about it. And they had that personal experience. So whether you talk to someone who went through that or you had it in your own life, those are the stories that dominate the people who have chosen to get into this industry
0: yeah no it's it's so fascinating and every every time I hear one, it kind of always just gives me a little bit of the chills because it kind of reminds us like why you know partially why we're doing what we're doing every day. Um, Chris, you spearhead one of the largest, if not the largest, cannabis industry conferences out there. And so I wanted to ask you, what's sort of been like your driving force and and maybe even like a like a goal behind every single event that you and your team put on because there's there's a plethora of events out there and a lot of them are great but what's kind of the real main driving force behind you and your team with every single bizcon event that that you all put on
1: yeah there's a couple driving forces a couple couple pillars you know in the early days it was really giving the industry a professional place and a professionally run event to gather at um there wasn't anything really like it at the time just like on the media side we we quickly realized i was out and about learning about this industry and um you know that that people were just trying to do business in a uh, on their own basically um and and anything that was held to get people together was really heavily into the consumer side uh or or just you know the the music and festival vibe um You know show floors where the majority of exhibitors had bongs and rolling papers and t-shirts nothing wrong with all of that but it wasn't what you would see in a mainstream legit industry that is there to help the people in the industry and not just to party or celebrate or acknowledge the the patient base or consumer so we since day one have been trying to do that we're trying to professionalize the industry and, uh, and you can go back. I mean, there were media would come to our first couple events. And this continued for years, maybe up until just recently, where um, a TV station would come or a reporter from a major uh, national news station or newspaper. And, you know, they would always say, oh, I'm, I'm surprised like this feels like any other trade show. Um, and, and that was a good thing because we didn't we didn't want them. You know, their stereotypes was everyone's walking around with Rasta hats and and uh, tie-dye and, you know, eating funyuns, fun yins and zoned out, right? That's the stereotype out there, uh, even for a business conference. So we've always wanted to professionalize it. And, and that reason was to help the industry, but also to give it mainstream appeal. We figured the only way that laws were going to change, that this industry would be not only accepted, but embraced, is if people saw it as a professional industry that was responsible, too. So, you know, I was wearing suits and ties since day one. I was stood out like a sore thumb the first couple of years. Uh, but now you see a lot of that. Uh, but that was what we were trying to do. So that's still what we try to do. And I think it's really what's morphed uh, more so is that, you know, this is the the annual gathering of the industry, not not only in the U.S., but globally now over the years. I mean, we last couple of years have been getting people from 70, 80 countries that come in for this show and we do content for about what's going on in europe and latin america you know this is a global movement and a global change so it's really like we're trying to give people the most bang for their buck like if you're going to do anything each year uh you know come to the show because whether you're on the show floor seeing all the new innovations out there uh or looking for deals or vendors for your dispensary or your grower, or whatever it is if you need to meet people you're looking for investors clients if you need to have conversations if you need to learn about how to navigate industry challenges if you need a 101 level or advanced you know so it's, it's really to bring the industry together for education for business deals, for networking and also fun I mean let's uh, let's face it a, a big part of the fun at MJ bizcon is all the side parties that all the companies involved have. Uh, you know and these are like epic level parties so it's a nice mix of hey get your business done right during the day. And then you can go have fun and embrace the culture and embrace the plant. And guess what? You also do business at these types of things, whether it's our own parties or or, or our exhibitors who have their own parties at suites or at nightclubs or whatever. So, um, you know, a lot of a lot of companies now send their entire teams to Vegas to the show for the event. And it's like their annual company retreat because they get the business side done. They can get internal you know, uh, employee morale and, and strategic planning done and all that with their teams and they can have fun. So we're really trying to bring all of those pieces together.
0: Yeah, I love what you guys are doing. And I, I, I've i been to I've been to um, a couple of MJ BizCons myself. And what I think you guys do really, really well is just like you said, professionalize the industry and really just kind of bring a little bit more um, structure, streamlining and really bringing together the best of you know, networking, bringing together resources, investors, people who have resources and they're thinking they're kind of sitting there and maybe going, you know what? I'm not necessarily sure who I need to get in touch with to kind of finalize this project or, you know, to put the finishing touches on, who can I get in touch with? And so I've kind of walked by and I've, I've seen, I've listened and I'm, you know, there's so many cool little conversations that happen and then unfold over the next six, eight, 12 months. And a lot of them started MJ BizCon. Um, and I just think I just think it's it's an important event for the industry, and I think it's really helping the industry develop uh into something that's more acceptable for the mainstream because they're able to see how it can be uh to your point professionalized and not just carry the you know the hippie stereotype, not that there's anything wrong with it, but there is legitimate business that can be done in it, and I think that's a huge piece of the equation of trying to get cannabis to the mainstream and to get more people to accept it as the industry that it really is. And the, you know, all the, the driving force and positive economic development it could have um, globally.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, you said a lot of what we feel and, you know, there's, there's a way to balance the two sides. And we, we grew up in a time at MJ biz where professionalism was everything because the industry sorely lacked it. And you have a a wall street investor or a regular an angel investor from outside, or you have a business professional or an entrepreneur, whatever it is, if they go to the wrong thing as their first exploratory move into cannabis, it will shape their whole opinion of the industry. Right. So if they walked into a, you know, five, six, seven, ten 10 years ago into a trade show conference, quote unquote, and you've got Cypress Hill playing and people are, uh, you know, basically smoking on the show floor and, um, and you know again selling t-shirts and trinkets again that's all fine for a certain crowd that's not what we were trying to do and we felt if this industry is, is going to reach its full potential you know you have to you have to treat it like any other industry now one of the things that we're we're doing more now is we're kind of unbuttoning the tie we were always the you know, buttoned up you know event out there and a lot of people liked it but some people felt it was too buttoned up and they said this is You know, this isn't as in touch with the cannabis culture. Well, we had to do that for a reason, right? We couldn't get kicked out of the Las Vegas Convention Center uh, because the industry, people in it will take a lot of – cut a lot of corners, right? They could sneak – you could sneak uh, THC onto the show floor. Other shows would have problems with that. Again, if everyone's smoking in the hallways or there's rampant use – Not only was the industry's reputation on the line, but so was our ability to host these things, especially before recreational was legalized and we were running events when it was just medical. So um, now we're trying to, you know, the risks of running afoul of things given the legal change and the acceptance of cannabis have diminished to a certain degree. So, you know, we're doing things like we now have a patio outside um, that's going to have food trucks and a DJ and games. And that was never what we would do at our shows but as the industry evolves we're saying hey you can have we can we can we can help spur fun at the show that it doesn't get out of control right doesn't put a bad face on a professional industry and keep it business focused but we're trying to move a little bit more in that direction as well because that's what the industry uh can accept now and, and and frankly what in some cases it demands
0: yeah no that's a that's a great evolution right there and Chris, I want to ask, you know, for, for those who are attending BizCon this year and those who might still be kind of considering it, um, any kind of sneak peeks or, you know, anything you can kind of share about what folks can expect this year?
1: Yeah, so last year was really for MJ BizCon was about coming out of the pandemic. So last year, we were just trying to hold the damn event after okay. COVID when we couldn't do it in 2020. This year, we've we were able to put a lot more time into evolving the event. And so, you know, we have a a pre-conference forum on psychedelics, which is obviously a big thing. A lot of people in cannabis are interested in that too. We've got one on marketing. We've realized over the years that there's a lot of uh, advanced and sophisticated marketing professionals coming in uh, and and things are difficult in the marketing side. So we've been looking at where there are parts of the industry that we could serve better, and we're doing it through that. But, I mean, we're going to have 1,400 exhibitors. You know, this is a massive show. Like, you will go there and you're – your mouth will drop open and you'll be in awe. We've heard it from everyone. It takes forever to walk around the show floor. It sounds daunting, but it really gives you the perspective at a very high level of where this industry is at. You know, we started with 30 booths and we there's four, 1,400 now in, uh, in the Las Vegas Convention Center. And so you can find, you know, every type of vendor and service you need there. Um, uh, but we also have the educational track. So, I mean, people that are newer in the industry, like, this is something you've got to go to 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 get get your feet uh, planted and understand how the industry works and that's really what i always tell people coming in is um the best step you can take is to learn about the industry as much as you can it sounds obvious but so many people don't or they think it's similar to whatever industry they've been in um but at a conference like mjbizcon and and we we pay a lot of attention to our content we don't just let speakers get up there and talk you know, we, we have strict guidelines on promotions. You can't promote from the stage. We have an independent speaker team that lines people up so they're not influenced by sales or marketing. So we really value content. That's the backbone of what we do with MJ Biz Daily, and it always has been for our company. Um, so you've got to be careful where you're looking for the content. But, you know, it's a really good place to come to learn about the industry. And honestly, it's about making connections. Uh, as you mentioned before, I've heard countless, countless stories over the years. of People said, yeah, this was the first trade show I went into cannabis. I didn't know much about it. I met my future partner there. You know, I met a future investor there. Or I met someone who helped guide me, and I learned, you know, what what to do and what not to do. Or I sat in the sessions and got a good understanding of the industry. So it's really all about that. It's, it's, it's the networking. It's the show floor. I mean, it's fun. And we've segmented it this year. So people who have been to it in the past, you know you can kind of get lost on the show floor with that many exhibitors. Uh, but we're finally at a point where we segmented the show floor so it's easier to navigate. So you'll have all the cultivation uh, companies in one area and the retail and processing in another and business services. So there's kind of some umbrella categories. Um, and again, we have 180 speakers. We have six forums uh, before the show even begins and uh, and then there's the outdoor areas there's lounges in there and then there's all the after parties the networking that goes on at the bars at night at all the hotels uh, it's really it's an exciting thing we kind of take over Vegas and we're we're one of the biggest shows that they host now in the entire city of Vegas I love it
0: um, also what's the best place for people to grab their tickets
1: Yeah it's mjbizconference.com uh, you can also get, get to that through mjbizdaily.com. Uh, but there you can check out everything from the agenda, what you know, to the, the different types of registration op- options to hotel partners, all the forums and all that. And you can register through there as well. Perfect.
0: Uh, Chris, I always like to wrap up every show by asking my guests, you know, what's one big thing that you've learned or maybe one big revelation or aha moment ever since, being a part of the cannabis industry. So what would that that one lesson or that big aha
1: moment for you be? Well, I, could, I could write a whole book about the lessons I've learned and mistakes I've made. But if I, if I pick one of the top ones, uh, it's really for me to be successful in the industry, you have got to be on your toes and be flexible. And I think anyone, and it took me a while to get out of my comfort zone too, anyone who likes, you know, who comes from more of a corporate background where things have kind of been around for a while and there's a lot of red tape and then you know oh we want to launch a product okay we're going to go through this long extensive product or um process and we're going to get eight approvals uh that doesn't work in the cannabis industry you have got to move quickly and smartly uh that's those are the two sides to it which doing both can be hard um but you've gotta you've gotta move quickly and you've gotta stay really close to your client base, whoever it is, because their needs change in a heartbeat. There's so much change in this industry. There's so many unexpected things come through, both positive and negative. I mean, we just recently had President Biden pardoning people with simple marijuana convictions uh, and saying we should reschedule marijuana. I mean, that's a potentially huge development to get that support, uh, you know, at the highest level of federal government. And that could change the industry. So you've got to be prepared for something like that, like hey, there's going to be a lot of new opportunity, a lot of new money coming in, a lot of new competitors. And that could be good and it could be bad if you're not prepared for it. Or there could be a new regulation that's local and that changes your whole business model. So um, you've, you've just got to stay really close to the industry, to your clients and be prepared to pivot, even if you're out of your comfort zone. And even if it's not what you started your company to do.
0: That's great advice. Um, I think, I think all of us could, could run with that and, and take that and apply it to what we do. Chris, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate everything that you, that you're doing, everything that you and your team are are putting on in the next couple of weeks. Um, again, thank you so much for joining the show. I appreciate it. And I cannot wait to, you know, maybe bump into you at uh, bizcon and hopefully we'll keep the conversation going.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, if you're going to be there, just uh, let me know and let's meet up. It'll be a great time. For sure.
0: All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Major Journey Podcast. We will catch you all next.
2: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who abused cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly,